Welcome, Digital Difference Makers. Today with me, I have Ralph Andrachio from True Engine Coaching. Welcome, Ralph. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, thanks very much for coming on. Do you want to give everyone a bit of an intro into who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I am a mindset coach and a podcast host, and I help my clients uh, make better decisions that make sense for who they are who they want to be, where they want to go. And so they can be a bigger part of the change in the world they want to see happen. Okay. And, and what kind of clients do you work with? Like what, what kind of people come to you that want help making better decisions? Yeah. Uh, most frequently, my clients are in transition, career transition of some kind. They're looking to... Um, get a promotion they're looking to maybe change careers entirely maybe they've left a career uh either was let go or retired or in some way are looking for something else to do and they're at the point where they have arrived at the crossroads and they they want to make this one count they want to think differently about the next step they take the next choice they make and i help them look at where they've been so they can make better decisions about where they're going. So I help them make uh, a look for careers that are more in alignment with who they are as a person, their values, their, their engine. Like that's why I call my business true engine coaching, because we all have that engine inside of us. What gets us out of bed? What gets us moving? What drives us forward every day? And so if I can get my clients in touch with that engine, what, what really drives you forward? What do you really care about? What do you notice in the world? What change do you want to see in the world? If they can answer those questions, the next choices and decisions they make about their future will make more sense and they'll actually be happier, healthier, and more successful. Yeah, I mean, it's, very, it's a hard decision for a lot of people as well, right? Like mm -hmm. trying to actually decide whether or not to stay in a job you slightly dislike like if i go somewhere else will it be the same and i'm just adding more risk you know do i start that business that i've always been thinking about it's, um it's a really tough one and how'd you get into that uh i arrived in coaching in a really roundabout interesting way i am a comedian i have been doing improvisational theater here in the united states for oh gosh, 13-ish years now, um, traveling all over the U.S., uh, performing in festivals, uh, doing workshops and classes, corporate trainings, like all the above. And at the same time I was doing that, I had a job um, in a nonprofit sector. I was working in a nonprofit based in D.C. Um, and uh, I was getting better at both jobs at the same time. I was getting more responsibility. I was doing more things, being trusted with more stuff. And eventually it got to the point where I was working two full-time jobs and I couldn't do it. It, was, it wasn't feasible for me to continue. So I had to make a choice. And luckily I have a great support system. I have a great partner. I have a great circle of friends. And so I picked the fun one. And as I was getting more deep into improv and comedy and teaching and performing and directing, I want, I've asked myself, how can I make a career out of this? And after doing some research and talking to some people, I found coaching and realized this may come as a surprise to people, but improv comedy and coaching actually share a lot of DNA together because 
at the at their base levels, they're both about being present, uh, actively, deeply listening to the person you're talking to, responding to the last thing that was said, um, listening to things that perk up your interest or stick in your brain about what's being said so you can make connections, ask the right questions at the right time. And I was like, I've already been doing this for the past 13 years. This is going to be a piece of cake. And it was. I, I slid into coaching really easily, um, opened my business three years ago. And I, along with coaching, I still perform and teach and direct comedy. So one helps the other and vice versa. So I'm, I'm in a really amazing spot right now where everything I do in my life not only supports each other, but helps me do what I help my clients do, which is discover the best parts of myself, what drives me forward and how I can help people be better at what they do. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I would never have, um, I, I wouldn't have ever made that connection it's between yeah. the two of those two careers. And do you find that part of helping your clients is also finding some hobbies and other things that are all in alignment with, what they want to do as well like do you sort of is is that part of the process of discovering what they might want to do if they're completely lost absolutely um one of the things if somebody is truly lost one of the things i ask them is what do people nor just normally organically come to you for help with you know what are your friends always asking you for help with is it their taxes is it their car? Is it, you know, finding a date? Is it, you know, help with their computer? Is it, is it painting their house? You know, what, what do people naturally come to you for that? That can sometimes be a way to, to figure out not only what you like doing, but what other people notice that you're good at. Cause sometimes we, we can't see the forest for the trees because we're in our life and we're like searching for meaning and truth. And like, what am I going to do next? Sometimes it's hard to see what we just do naturally on a daily basis. So sometimes I ask people, you know, that question, what do, what do people just normally come to you for? And that can have, if that doesn't help them find a career, like you said, it can at least help them find a hobby, a new, a new thing to kind of explore and learn more about, because not everything we do has to be a product. Not everything we do has to make money. I'm a big fan of uh, work-life balance. And although I hate the word balance because it doesn't truly exist, but that's a whole, that can be a whole other podcast episode. Um, I, I'm a big fan of making play just as important as work because we need the downtime. We can't just work all the time. And so if you find something that you truly love, that's all yours and you don't have to make money on it, you can just do it for fun. Please do that as much as possible because it's gonna help you in the long run. Yeah, I, I agree too. I mean, I've, I've been talking about this recently with um, a, a few of the people in my circle. It's very easy in your downtime to get sucked into just doing your numbing activities like your phone, like TV, like, you know, video games for some people, um, eating junk food, like drinking, like, there's all of those activities that are sort of like downtime mm -hmm. activities, like the probably the most common, but I think it does come from a, maybe a, a lack thereof things to, to do, to play with. Like um, the people, 
yeah, for, for me now, I, I'm trying to get back into going out and playing pool in my garage again, mm. just because, you know, I, I stopped for a little while, but that was a healthy activity for me that I, that I came back with energy. So I think it's interesting. I agree with you. I do think it's interesting to have that good balance of play, because if you don't, that time has to go somewhere and it kind of, kind of goes into like stuff that feels like downtime, but tends to drain our energy as well. Mm -hmm. And is part of the reason that some people come to you and something you talk about people a little bit about energy as well, where, what they do get energy from. Absolutely. Um, and every, I want to respond to everything you said, I'll try to keep it brief, but it totally fits into the energy part of it. Um, the mindless activities, you know, eating junk food, sitting on the couch, watching television, playing video games, playing on your phone. I think I'm a fan of everything in moderation. And if it, if that's something you need in that moment to kind of turn your brain off and take a breather and step away from anything that's happening, please do that. Don't judge don't judge too harshly the things that your brain does to kind of keep itself in equilibrium. I think we do that far too often. We're too harsh with ourselves about, oh, I'm, I'm watching TV too much. I need to, and then we overcorrect and do more work. And then what play and downtime is supposed to do is charge your batteries. So talking about the energy you were talking about, that's why play is so important because it recharges our batteries work can drain our batteries, life drains our batteries, other people drain our batteries, you know, unexpected events drain our batteries. And what helps us bounce back quicker from all those unexpected things or negative events that happen or stress is our pool of reserves, our resiliency, you know, all that goodwill that we've built up for ourselves. Play fills that, those, those mindless activities fills that in some way, you know, talking with friends fills that up. So if you don't have enough of those activities in your life that fill your pool of resiliency and charge your batteries, you're going to find your energy draining a whole lot quicker because there's not a lot enough of it built up in reserve and you're not giving yourself time to recharge your batteries. So that's the other reason play is so important. If you're somebody who just works to work more, first of all, why are you working so hard? Secondly, what's the point of working? What do you want to get out of it? And if you ask yourself why enough times, you're going to get to the point where you're like, it's usually about, I want to travel more. I want to spend more time with my family. I want to, I want to spend more time with my friends. I want to enjoy life. That's what you're working for, you know, and you don't have to wait till you're retired to do all that fun stuff that charges your batteries and makes you happy. Start doing it now. And you're going to find your quality of life has improved immensely. Yeah. In, in that way, when you were talking about the perspective of it as well, have, have you ever worked with someone or do you, do you ever find people that it's not necessary that they actually need to change their career or like what they're actually doing, but mainly just shift their perspective? Like some people that they're kind of on the fence of like they – they're attached to this thing. They do actually enjoy it. But right now their mindset is just like, you know, 
I hate this stuff. You know, I'm not into it. I'm not getting anything out of it. Like how much of it is shifting that paradigm for people? Such a good question. Thank you. It's, it's a great point. Sometimes it's not about changing careers. It's just falling back in love with what you're doing. You know, you, you, you got this job for a reason. You chose this career for a reason. Reevaluating why you did that, like asking yourself, why am I doing this? What got me into this in the first place? That can sometimes open up a, a pattern of thought that helps you fall back in love with what you're doing, which is something that some people need to do. But also it, it's stepping away from it. You know, too much of a good thing is, is, is necessarily good, you know, and that's where the play and the downtime come in. Even if you found your dream career and you're happy as a clam, if you do too much of it and don't give yourself time to rest and do other things, you're going to hate it after a while because you're not charging your batteries. Even if it's something you love, it drains your batteries because you're working on it. You need to step away. I'm a big fan of people stepping away from their desks as much as possible, doing other things because that's, you know, again, everything in moderation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was even talking about, um, recently i've started like a 4am club with a few people here where i live and we were talking about it today like how interesting is it that like this is something that like really should feel like a drag like you know the it's get there at 4 30 do a workout dive into cold water and then you know we're talking about business stuff but like all of the people that are there are just having such a good time like it's it's everyone's like how good is this you know we're like we're up early getting a start on the day like and and i think that was that was one thing that we did say we want to try and keep is this whole if this becomes a drag yeah stop for a bit like don't you know, there will be some days where you're less interested and you do want to push through. But if that's happening consistently, let's go away for a bit and come back when you want to fall in love with it. Like, mm -hmm. is it the same for the hobbies side of thing? Like, are there people that it's stuff that they enjoyed when they were a kid and they just haven't done for like 20 years that you've got to try and bring back to their awareness? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, no matter what it is, like I said before, even if you love it with all of your heart and soul and like, I'm going to do this forever, 4.30 a.m. workouts and diving into water, great, I'm going to do this forever. Eventually, your, your brain and your body gets, get, not get sick of it, but they need a break from it, you know? And so, like you said, if that comes to a point where what you love doing, your hobby or, you know, your downtime things feel like a drag, you're starting to drag yourself to them. That's your body and your brain telling you, hey, I need to take a break from this for a minute. That's okay. We judge ourselves way too much about, you know, if I don't stick to my schedule, if this thing that's healthy for me or that I love doing becomes a drag, like there must be something wrong. I, you know, I need to double down on it. I need to reinvest. I need to like eye of the tiger, you know, start fight. No, it, take a break. It's okay. You know, we're, we're not robots. We're not machines. Life happens. 
And if you start to get tired of something, it's okay to step away from it for a little bit because yeah. you need to give yourself time to miss it. And then you miss it and then you start doing it again. And maybe you find out maybe every day during the week isn't something I can sustain. Maybe it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Maybe it's Tuesday, Thursday. Maybe it's just on the weekends. You find where everything kind of balances out and it's like, oh, okay, this, this works for me in the long run. Give yourself that space to find that sweet spot where everything kind of works together in a fun way. That's what we're all looking for. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's um, I've even heard some nutrition coaches talk about like, you know, the, the strict dieting. Like if I try to stick to this one thing hundred percent of the time and like, there's no exceptions, like you're more likely to break that. And then you're more likely to say, well, I'll, you know, I'll, well, I've already broken it. I'll start again tomorrow or I'll start again next week. And then you don't end up getting back to it as opposed to if there is a little bit of leeway in there, it doesn't feel as restrictive. Mm-hmm. And I think in your opinion, do you see, do you see it as people like, as humans, like we're very against being restricted. So anytime we do start to feel caged in, the routine is too much. We're not doing stuff on our terms that that's when we sort of, you know, break or, or we ha- we realize we have to change things. Like, or, or how do you see that part of like human nature play into this? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there's a little part of all of us that doesn't like to be told what to do. And so, no, I'm not going to do that. You're telling me to, to telling me to not eat that. Well, I'm going to eat twice as much because I'm in control. Right. I'm sure there's a little bit at play, but I think interesting question. I think more of it is about, um, especially with diets being punitive rather than helpful, rather than celebratory. And I'll explain what I mean. A lot of times restrictive diets feel punitive. We are punishing ourselves. We are saying no far too often about things. And that's a lot of, a lot of the times that's what the downfall of the diet is. It feels like I'm punishing myself. All that, look at all this stuff that I can't eat anymore because I'm out of shape. I'm too this, I'm too that. Now I can't have any of this stuff. I'm punishing myself for being who I am please stop doing that. Anybody within the sound of my voice, please stop doing that. Things shouldn't be punitive. They should be helpful. They should be celebratory. Like think about the goal. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to, I want to get healthier. I want to be able to run a marathon. That's a positive goal. What positive steps can you take to reach that? And they should always be baby steps, you know, unless you're like a athlete training for the Olympics and you got to push yourself you know, everyday average people, it should be baby steps. What one little thing can I change this week, this month that will, that will push me a little bit further to that goal that I have of, of getting, feeling better about myself. I think, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what all of this is about. I want to feel better about who I am and how I look and how I feel. What little thing is going to get me to the, to that goal? What's one step in that direction? And if it's like, you know, I'm doing the same thing to myself right now. I'm like, I'm, I'm eating way too much junk food. I've been in the house way too long. Baby steps. All I said was, all right, from now on, I'm going to cut out 
drinking sugary stuff. I can drink water, I can drink juice, I can drink healthy things. That's it. That's the only thing I changed. It's easier to, to stick to that because I don't feel like I'm punishing myself when I'm doing it. So I think if you're somebody who's, who can't stick to things, think about it. Does it feel like I'm punishing myself or does it feel like I'm helping myself get to the goal in a positive way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and what, what's the driver for you? Like in terms of helping people through their careers, what's the thing that sort of, you know, got you into this? What, what, where did you fall in love with this kind of work? Yeah. Um, it comes from being in the performance space, you know, being on stage and, and, you know, making people happy and, and that kind of togetherness that I was engendering with everybody. And then teaching classes, I saw people coming out of their shell, finding, finding their true self, finding their voice, finding different ways to express themselves, connecting better with people, listening better. And I'm, I, you know, if I can be a conduit for that change to help people become their best self, that's amazing. You know, that's better than a paycheck for me. And along, along those lines, I, I help people communicate better, which I think is sorely needed in the world right now. I think more often than not, we are more comfortable screaming at each other than actually talking to each other because we've been taught that being vulnerable and open is a weakness and it is not, it is a strength. Um, so what I do, I help people become their best selves and then they in turn inspire other people to do that. I'm a big fan of like true success is and true leadership is when you lift others up with yourself. It's not just about pushing others down so you so you look like you're bigger or you're more successful. That's not success, that's not leadership, that's just being a jerk, you know. True leadership, true true human nature I think is like let's help each other be better. And like a rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. The, if I can help people do that, you know, in my little neck of the woods of the world, it's like throwing a pebble into a, a pond. You know, it ripples out. It, it, that you're inspiring people every day, even if you don't know. People are watching. People watch what you do. People watch what you say. People watch how you act. People watch how you react to events. And you know, so my thought is if you're your best self and you're doing things you enjoy, you have a career that you love, you know, you're, you're getting enough downtime and play and your sleep hygiene's good. And like, it, it just, people can tell, they feel the, they feel the energy and it inspires them to do better. So if I can help people do that and help, help change the world in that way, I'm all for it. Awesome. And, and what would you say, like, from that kind of ripple effect, like people being better and being able to lift other people up. Mm -hmm. Is there any specific ripple effect that you see in like 10, 15 years time? That's like, you know, this is, if we can make people this way or like more of this, then like, I'll feel like I've really made an impact here. Is, is there anything like that, that, any kind of ripple effect that stands out for you? Oh, great question. You're great at this. One great question after the other. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, 
I think the antidote to so much anger in the world is curiosity. And from my, from my perspective, uh, because one thing I was taught in the improv world is cultivate your curiosity, be curious about everything, right? And I feel like if I can inspire more people to cultivate their curiosity, there's, there's less room for anger. You know, we, um, I, I've talked about this on other shows and I could, I could have a five hour show about this. I don't know how it is in other countries, but here in the U.S., we're encouraged to be curious up until a certain point. Like when you're little, there's books about curiosity and be curious and what, why is the sky blue? And like all our, all our beginning grades are all about being curious and asking questions. And then at some point it switches and it's like, okay, we don't have time for questions anymore. You just got to study so you can take tests, so you can remember facts, so you can go to high school and go to college and then become a cog in the wheel in the corporate world. And and I want to get people to reconnect with that little kid in them that's always asking questions and is curious. I think as, as a species, human being superpower is we're curious to, the, to a fault. Like we want to know everything about everything. So if I can help people reconnect with that and cultivate their curiosity and ask more questions, there's gonna be less anger in the world because we're all curious about each other. And we're gonna sit down and talk rather than fight. I, I like that a lot because I, I, I agree on a lot of levels and I do think that curiosity, you know, breeds better discussions mm -hmm. about points when you really actually want to know what and try and understand what someone else's point is, like asking yourself more questions, you know, mm -hmm. was that my fault? could I have done something differently? I think those kind of internal questions make a big difference too, that, yeah, maybe people get, whether it's societal construct, they stop asking themselves those questions or whether or not, you know, we, we become jaded as we get older and don't want to take on other people's opinions. Who, who knows? Um, probably a bit of both. But I, I, I can see that. And I, I like that you've said that because I think that sometimes it is like a simple concept with a, a, a really big ripple effect when, when cultivated. So, you know. And also um, curiosity can be seen as a weakness sometimes because we're taught to be the expert in the room know everything, don't ask questions. It's weak to ask questions, know what you're talking about. That, you know, to a certain extent, sure, depending on, you know, what business you're in, like, yes, doctors should really know what they're talking about. You know, there's, there's always an exception to the rule, but I think we've taken that to an unhealthy extreme of, I don't want to look weak, so I'm not going to ask questions or be curious. I'm just going to stick to my guns and, you know, I'm hundred percent right. You're hundred percent wrong. I know, I know what I'm talking about. It's way too much of that. So I think that's another hurdle we have to get over is along with cultivating your curiosity is not judging yourself too harshly of like, Oh, what are people going to think if I ask questions? Yeah. Well, 100%. And I, and I can see that in the business world yeah. massively, you know, people ask, do want to come off a certain way so they are afraid to ask questions or yeah be perceived in a in a different way 
might not make them seem like the expert. But look, again, like you said, we could talk about this in a five-hour podcast. But (laughs) if people want to get in contact with you after this, Ralph, how can they do that? I am very easy to find. I am literally everywhere on the internet. Uh, You can find me at my website, trueenginecoaching.com. I am on Facebook. I am on LinkedIn. I am on Instagram and I am on TikTok. Uh, Just search for True Engine Coaching. Um, And I also have a podcast. uh, It's called Hey, Let Me Ask You Something. It's with my co-host, Kristen Wood, who is a licensed therapist. So each episode, we tackle one question that somebody's asked us, whether it be a client or a friend or something that came up in the media or, you know, something's happened in the world, or we have really cool guests on. And the whole point of that show is to do what I've been talking about all day, cultivate your curiosity, ask more questions, have more conversations, open yourself up to being curious again about the world. So that's, hey, let me ask you something. It's everywhere you listen to your podcast. It's on all the major platforms. Uh, there's also a link to it from my website. Um, oh gosh, I'm probably forgetting five different things, but I think that you can also search for my name, Ralph Andracchio. You'll I'm, I come up everywhere too. Cool, that's easy. I'll, I'll I'll put a few in the um a few of those links into the show notes anyway. Um, so if anyone that is listening wants to get in contact with you, Ralph, I hope they do. But otherwise, yes. thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, I appreciate it.